Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. I don't know if you have noticed or not lately, but the church is in a time of crisis, not not of its power or authority, but the church is in a crisis of conscience and identity. We as the church or the body or known as the hands and feet of Jesus, we must decide and make up in our minds on who we are going to be. In these tough days and circumstances that we're living in, I mean, I'm pretty sure you've noticed the world out there lately and it's not quite the cup of tea. It's getting pretty crazy with social unrest, political and economical divides, mask versus no mask, vaccinated versus not vaccinated, suicide is at an all-time high, divorce rate is at a surge like never before, but also in spite of all that, there's never been a hunger for people to desire after the things of God, the spiritual things, right? Also, gas prices are sky high. The other day I was just like, well, I guess this is it, Lord, just take me. I've, I've literally crossed a moral boundary of paying more than $3 a gallon for gas, Lord, just take me now. Good Lord. I was just like looking at the pump. Well, usually at about $37, it stops, but I think it kept going and going and going. And... Hey, but all the while we as a church, we must decide who are we going to be? Are we going to make up in our minds and be the church who Jesus has called us to be? Regardless of how bad things may seem, we need a church that elevates the soul, minimizes the flesh, who speaks the truth of the gospel in love and humility like never before, who fights for those who cannot fight for themselves. We need a church who doesn't push people away because they don't fit in the normal religious category and a church that is so in tune in alignment with the heart and vision of Jesus and a world full of lies. We need a church that can stand for the truth. And for many of us in the room, depending on your background or how you were raised, most of us were introduced to an Old Testament God, where it was rules, laws, traditions, self-effort, and forced believing in a certain way. For most of us, the picture that we had of God was that he was this 500-foot-tall man in the sky, and, and for a moment that we sinned, God was like, whoop, you better not do it. You better not sin. I got this new disease. I'm going to throw it down there. I ain't even named it yet. Or like what I like to be called, I like to be called the Yada, the Yada God. Y'all know that one? Y'all ever heard of the Yada God? Any Three Stooges fans in here? Any Three Stooges? Mary, Lo, Mary, what, Mary? Moe. There it is. Mary, Mary. Larry, Moe, and Curly, right? Growing up, me and my brothers, we used to love watching Three Stooges. That's just what we did. Uh, my brother will tell you. But anyways, I don't know if y'all know or not, but like whenever one of them did something dumb, what happened? They would like do some weird like eye poke thing or whatever like that's the that's how we believe God is sometimes the why I oughta like if we do something dumb or mess up or whatever guys like why I oughta and he's coming with the eye poke but to translate to that he sends earthquakes or famines or sickness like that's God's will for humanity like he died for us and for some reason we think in our mind that he wants to punish us like if God still had to punish us then that's saying that what Jesus did on the cross wasn't enough And so most of us have a view of God where he punishes us more than he is for us. One way or another, we have all encountered a certain view of God growing up. So it becomes hard and confusing because there are so many different Jesuses nowadays. People aren't sure which one that they can connect to. Depending on your race or background or culture, God looks very different. 
But let me tell you, that picture of God comes in the face of grace as a baby, born in a manger and revealed to shepherds working in a field. And wise shepherds, they were the lowest of the lowest on the social totem pole. God did not come to announce his gift to the best of the best, but to the worst of the worst. And he announced it to shepherds the same way that he announces the revival of the soul to those who are broken. And this is not an academic Jesus, but an experiential Jesus who meets us beyond our book knowledge and our fancy outfits and wisdom. He comes to those that are broken and up enough to say, I cannot get it together. I do not have all the answers. God, save me. But who can be saved? And how do you know if you're saved? Is there a certain way I'm supposed to stand? Is there a certain way I'm supposed to dress or look? Is there a certain amount I'm supposed to give? Oh man, I only got enough to pay tithe this week. I don't even know if I can pay offering. Oh man, people are judging me when I pass the church plate. Don't worry, I give online. Shout out Andy Minio, I stole that from him. The days of religion are over and the time for real relationship has come to the front line and to the interests of people all over the world. But how can someone know that they're saved? And who can be saved? Who's allowed to come to Jesus? A lot of people around the world have seen bad Christian TV or memes on Facebook where Jesus has an English accent. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You've been on Facebook where you've seen the post where if you don't stop scrolling and like this picture and share it, then God doesn't love you. And it's like a picture of Jesus and the devil like arm wrestling because that's what, that's what they did in heaven. They arm wrestled, right? <laughs> and also too, it's, it, I think it's funny. One of my favorite things or the craziest things that I've ever seen in my life growing up is where you have those televangelists who try to shame you into believing into Jesus and for relationship with Jesus. I remember as a kid walking in the living room, my grandma had it on the TV and I remember seeing a guy on the TV and there was an infomercial and he was like, you better listen up right here, right now. If you don't call that number on the bottom of your screen, you're going to burn in a hot lake of fire. I told Josh, I thought it would have been cool, like, while I did that, like, there was some way the online campus could have seen a number right there or something. <laughs> You're going to burn in a hot lake of fire. That's right. You better call that number. I'm going to send you some water for your arthritis. It's going to heal your kneecaps. If you don't call that number right now, you're going to burn in a hot lake of fire. Well, I'm frightened, and now I'm going to walk away or change the TV because I don't want that Jesus. I want a Jesus that hangs out with broken people. I want a Jesus who was God in the flesh and who would hang around people that weren't like God and made them feel like they mattered. Everybody say, I want that Jesus. I don't want the pretentious version of Jesus where I have to give a multitude of words just to get into his perfect presence. I want a Jesus that if I can just somehow, some way, make it into his presence before I can get it out, he already knows. I want to talk to you this morning from the subject, no words needed. So if you're taking notes this morning, write that title down, no words needed. A lot of times religion says you have to worship harder, sing louder, run around, explain yourself to God. But I want to share a story today on this Sunday morning, summer revival, that shows an illustration that if we can just make it to his presence, if we can just get into his presence, no words are needed. And we're going to go to the book of Luke chapter 7, and I'm going to be reading Verses 36 through 50, I'm reading from the NIV version. Some of the context and some of the verses that I'm also going to be reading today are from the GIV version, the Gangster International version. You can pick your copy up in the lobby on your way out. 
Verse 36, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life, or the New King James says a known sinner woman, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. She came with an alabaster jar of perfume and she stood behind him weeping. She stood behind him at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with their hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him said to himself, if this man were a real prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of, me- what kind of woman she is, for she's a sinner. Ugh, sinners, they smell like alcohol. Ugh, sinners, they smell like cigarettes. Ugh, sinners come to church. Ugh, sinners, they sit next to me at church and they don't know God and it's messing up my worship experience. How dare those ungodly people do those ungodly things? That's a Pharisee. But let's keep reading. Verse 40, and then Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, which is about a year's and a half worth of wages, and the other 50, which is about a month and a half worth of wages. When neither of them had the money to pay him back, he forgave the debts of them both. Now, which one of them would love him more? Simon replied, well, I suppose the one who owned the bigger debt. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman, catch this. He turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love is shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, the first thing he says, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, who's, who's this guy? Wait a minute. This is blasphemous. This is crazy. This dude's out here forgiving sin. Who's this guy? Joseph's son? Ah, 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 ah. That's what I felt like they did in that. Like they thought Jesus was joking. He's out here forgiving sins. He's crazy. Ah, ah, ah. Like that's what he did. Well, this whole section right here, my, my friends, shout out. They, they knew exactly what I was doing. You love to see it. And the other guests began to say amongst themselves, who's this guy? He's forgiven sins. And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. No words needed. All gospel accounts have interaction of Jesus being anointed by a woman. And some scholars say that this is a different Mary, different than Mary and Martha. The, that whole story with Lazarus, his sisters, we get that one. This account was special just on Luke's account. It was unique to Luke. And to understand the context leading up to this, we have to realize that this was the, in the early stages of Jesus' ministry. He was 30 years old. He gets baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. The dove came down. The heavens opened. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He's healing the blind people. He's healing the lepers. He's raising people from the dead. He's taking the withered hands, taking my strong hand. He's stretching them out. Jesus is doing all these amazing things. He's walking on top of the pool. He ain't swimming no more. He's telling Peter, you need to trust me more. He's doing all these amazing things. And so basically to put in today's terms, Jesus has gone viral and people were noticing and Jesus had a mass following. And so the Pharisees noticed Jesus doing his thing out there in the streets. So they invited him over for a dinner party. They wanted to see exactly who Jesus was. And most likely they wanted to make a mockery of him. They didn't know if he was a rabbi or a political figure. They wanted to see if he was going to play political ball. But the last time I checked, uh, Jesus really isn't into elections or politics. If you really think about it, he can't be voted out. 
Jesus is so much more than that. He has all power and all authority, and he's still on the throne, and it will not be breached. It will not be abdicated. He has all power, and he's standing at the right hand. And so they noticed that Jesus was doing messianic things, but he wasn't doing them with people who they thought Messiah would be doing them for. And the Pharisees were big mad because they thought they were the in crowd. They were the cool kids. They were the people that, peop- that, they were the people that, that came to whenever, before Jesus showed up, they were the in crowd. Everybody went to the religious people. And then Jesus tells him, you can keep the cool pretension. I'm going to hang around with the tax collectors, the sinners, the broken people, because that's more in line of who my father would want. And so Jesus takes the invitation to the dinner party anyways. He's like, I'm going to get a free meal anyways. And he gets there and sits down. and, And as he's there, the Bible says a sinner woman, which is a nice first century way of calling a woman a prostitute. She comes in, she goes directly to where Jesus is. She falls to the feet of Jesus and starts crying. And she's crying so hard that her tears begin to wash the dirt off of Jesus' feet. And then she pours fragrant perfume on Jesus' feet. This woman didn't care about who was in the room. She was desperate. How many of you know that nothing changes an atmosphere like desperation? She was in a room full of religious elites. And let me tell you, nothing changes a room full of religious people than someone who is desperate or lost, but they're ready to get free. A lot of times we get to the place where we're like, eh, I guess I'll go to Sunday service this morning, or eh, I guess I'll sign up for small group this semester. No, it's not we guess, it's we get to. We get to go to service. We get to sign up for a small group. God isn't in heaven fiddling his thumb saying, I sure do wish they'd come see me today or say a prayer. No, this is the living God who has angels on each side of him singing, holy, holy, holy. And on the other side, he's got angels singing, holy, holy, holy. God is in no need of anything, for he was in need of anything in that area where he needed something, he was cease to be God. But the fact that he welcomes our worship is a miracle and an honor into itself. And I challenge you right now, if you're thankful that you get to worship God freely, I challenge you right now for five seconds to give God your best praise. Man, that sounds like Altuve just hit a walk-off. I could go to the Astros game. I said some praise in here. If God has been good to you, if he's seen you through, Eric, if he's done a miracle in your life, I've seen it. I'm talking about Jesus, who's on the throne. That's who I'm talking about. If I can go to the Texans game and people got their body all painted up, ready to root for the Texans, what about Team Jesus? You on Team Jesus? Come on. She she wasn't invited, Pastor Bo. She wasn't on the guest list. She wasn't exclusive. She wasn't part of the club, and she didn't care. Oh, if the church can be the church and welcome those who Jesus would welcome with open arms. Come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The church must never forget that we are not a museum for the religious elite, but a hospital for the broken. We're living in the times where those people who are lost and broken might be the next person to do amazing things for God. You know, I always think it's funny. I, I, I've always been undercover, like, while I'm here at Life Church. Some people know me. Some people, yeah, I've heard of Tito. I mean, you know, I've heard of Tito. Or I've seen the impact everywhere. And nobody really knows where I came from. Nobody knows the story and the journey. Like Bo said, you know, I, 
I, I didn't come to church and encounter God. You know, I, I met a guy named Simeon Costa, which if he somehow, some way finds this, look what you did, dude. I hope you're proud of yourself. <laughs> Shout out Simeon Costa. Uh, through Simeon Costa, I started going to a Bible study at a barbershop in League City, Texas. So, so many things in my life, I thought that, man, I'm good. I'm straight. I don't need no Bible study. Like, I'm good. I just hold the door open for somebody at the restaurant. I'm good. But on the inside, little did I know that there was things in my life that I was ashamed of and, and the sin of my life and, and the things that I was ashamed of. And somehow, way, I met this amazing human being, Jim Kilgore. And I'll never forget the first time I ever walked into that barbershop, Pastor Jim wasn't there, and, and, I, I, and I would always refuse going. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. My barber would be like, man, I'm, my barbershop's closed on Monday, but I open it just for Bible studies. And I'm like, no, nah, man, I'm good, man, I'm good. Anyways, one day I ran out of excuses, and he was the persistent widow, and he never stopped asking me. And I'm like, you know what? Okay, I'll show up. I know John 3.16, you know, it's going down. I'll show up. I was like, but there's other people there, right? Yeah, man, there's always people there. You know, if somebody says that, the Bible says, ain't, ain't, ain't nobody finna be there. <laughs> and so guess what? I walk in the barbershop and there's nobody there. It's Simeon and the barber, my barber. And I said, I have been set up. Where is Ashton Kutcher at? Anyways, that was the most awkward moment in my life, but it was also the greatest moment in my life because if I would have never stepped into that place, as uncomfortable as it may have been, it was almost like Moses when he saw the burning bush and he heard his name twice. He could have easily been like, what did one of my wives put in my cereal this morning? But instead, he went to go investigate it, and as he took a step towards that direction, God started to open the door of what he was going to end up eventually doing. And so you're looking at somebody who was lost and who was broken and somehow, someway, I made it here in Houston, Texas to Life Church. And I was what I like to call a red shirt for about nine years until I came on staff full-time. I call Because, you know, when you come on staff, you know, I was leading small groups and I was doing all these things and, and plugged in and I was serving. And, but there was always this desire and, and, and this thing. And I, I read yesterday that the dream is free, but the journey is not. And so let me tell you, the journey for me to still be on this stage today has been tough. I had people turn their backs on me. I had people who I loved and trusted that I no longer even know anymore. But let me tell you, there's always going to be something that we have to battle. There's always going to be something or opposition that comes our way whenever we pursue the faith. I mean, look at, look at the symbol of the cross. You know, and you look at every other symbol of religion in the world and it's like war, or power, or authority. I don't know if y'all know or not, but the cross means crucifixion. It means pain. It means suffering. I'm not saying that's God's will for our life, but what I'm simply saying is if I signed up for this, um, I better fasten up my seatbelt because it's fixing to go down. And so we never know who's outside those doors or who's in the building today. There's somebody in here right now. This might be your first time here today and you're like, I'm trying to figure out all this. But you know what? I can get down with the way this guy talks. Let me tell you, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. I didn't know what that meant until I met Pastor Jim, until I met Pastor Bo, until I met Pastor Phil. As I started to believe, man, you know what? Maybe God does have something for me. Faith started to stir up. The Bible says that it's impossible to please God without faith. As I started to believe and trust and I started to take that risk and stepping forward and not looking back to what the world offered me, my life has never been the same. I have a beautiful wife. I have two amazing kids that are in kids' life right now, probably going crazy. <clears throat> 
The Bible says that she was a known sinner. That means that she did that thing right, partying it up. That's what she was doing. But I have a question though. What would make a known sinner want to come and meet a religious leader when you can't hardly get unsafe people to come to most churches? How was it that broken people, let alone a prostitute, could be comfortable enough to come up to him? What was it about Jesus that made the religious people feel on edge and uncomfortable, but made broken people feel at ease? Could it be that Jesus was so intentional and relational with people that they knew that they could actually be okay with who they were and he wasn't going to judge them and they wouldn't have to put on the mask of of religion like they've already arrived? Jesus is telling you today, if you're here in the building or you're watching online, come as you are, take off your mask, show us your scars. We serve a king who loves you as you are and he will cover you and heal you and he won't tell anyone your secrets. So while this is going on, this woman is weeping, it's uncomfortable, it's awkward, and one of the religious dudes says under his breath, if Jesus only knew who she was, he wouldn't let her touch him. And he says it under his breath, and while he does, I always get the picture, like if Jesus was here now and that happened, that he would have his phone out and he would be texting Peter like, O-M-E. They don't really think I know their thoughts. Y'all notice how I said O-M-E, because he's got, y'all get it, y'all catch that on the way to IHOP after. It's funny how religious people are towards broken people. But allow me to throw a monkey wrench into the story now. How many of you have ever had a dinner, like a bougie, nice dinner, you dressed up, it's a black tie affair, it's a high level of clientele, or you, everybody's dressed up at the house? How many, anybody have one of those? I'm talking about you had to bring out the good paper plates. <laughs> I'm talking about the silver ones, the primo picks at H-E-B. Any of my H-E-B family, we'll talk after about that plug right there. I'm talking about us. You got a spread out. You got the, the cafe espresso thing all ready to go. You got a charcuterie uh, board. Charcuterie. What is it? Charcuterie board. What is it? An adult lunchable is what I call it. My God. Where's Hyatt? My friend Hyatt. She had some amazing charcuterie boards yesterday's. You know what I'm talking about, them nice dinners where you got the Topo Chico's on ice and things are ready to go. Lime and grapefruit, not just the, the water ones. I can get down with the water ones, but I'm going to ask for a lemon to put in there, you know what I'm saying? How many of you would let a complete stranger in your home and barge into your house and cry at the feet of one of your guests of honor? How many of you would just let a random person, let alone a prostitute, if my wife found out a prostitute came in the house and just started wiping my feet, Real quick. And the same way you came in is the same way you go out. But I think it's funny, and this is how I read the story, and I believe this is the way that it went down, but isn't it funny that Simon or none of the other religious leaders spoke up or kicked her out? Maybe the reason Simon and the other religious leaders didn't say anything is because the young lady had been there before. Oh, y'all thought all this drama TV and all this stuff that's on there now, uh, Real House of uh, Hollywood or whatever. No, this is Real House of Jerusalem, episode one in the building. Y'all thought that they just came up with these ideas? No, it's right there. Y'all never thought of that, did you? It says she was at, they were at his house. She knew where to go. She didn't ask 
Because she had been there before. G-I-V, pick it up in the lobby on the way out. Remember in verse 36, it said that Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. You don't let strangers into your home, better yet, a known prostitute. She knew right where to go in that home to find Jesus. I've been to some people's houses, and when I walk in, I'm like, um, did I come to the right door? Where's the restroom at? Right? I got to ask directions. No, she knew right where Jesus was. She knew exactly where to go. She didn't ask because she had been there before. And everybody was at, at the table was quiet too because everybody had met her. She was a known sinner. But this is what I love so much about this young lady and what I love so much about people who are new or lost is she didn't come in there and spill the beans towards anyone or anybody or start any gossip. She could have. She'd have been like, Simon says, member. But she didn't do any of that. She went right in. She went right to Jesus and saw that he wasn't properly honored. And she starts to cry at his feet. She didn't come there to embarrass nobody. She came there to get free. Oh, come on, Life Church Houston. I don't know if you just came here to hear another message. But if you came here to get free, today's the day where that can happen. And Jesus says, hey, Simon, let me ask you a question. There's two people, both owe a lot of money, but one owes more than the other. Who was more thankful when they didn't have uh, enough money to pay back their debts? Well, I assume the one who sinned the most, I mean, who owed the most. You're right. And then Jesus says, you see this woman? She brought a year's worth of perfume. And why perfume? Why would a prostitute need a year's worth of perfume oil? Why would she bring it? What if because her profession, the only thing that made her feel somewhat clean and the only thing that could cover up the evidence and the stench of being used and abused wasn't working and she finally realized it and her process, that her process didn't work, her best effort fell short. Her attempt and our attempt of external cleansing never works. Whatever it is in your life that you continue to try to overcome by yourself, it will never work. And so she pours her effort out at his feet. Her process of covering up, she pours it out at his feet. And then she starts to wipe his feet with her hair. I don't know or not. Correct me if I'm wrong, ladies. Y'all be in the hair salon all day getting y'all's hair done. My wife has to like put it on the planner and organize it. And I'll be gone, babe, for at least six, seven hours. I said, you might as well clock in while you get there. Y'all be up in there all day. And this lady starts to wipe Jesus' feet with her hair. Y'all know how much Holy Ghost it had to take for this lady to wash Jesus' feet? You know Jesus is Lord and Savior, but them feet are dirty. They got the inch thick calluses down on the bottom. You already know. They were wearing them sandals everywhere. She's right there. Well, Jesus, I'm a mess, but you know, I'm going to wipe my hair on your feet, Jesus. And I sure do hope you're the Lord and Savior because I just got my hair done, Jesus. And Here's what the Bible says about a woman's hair. It says that the hair of a woman is her glory. She laid her glory down at the feet of the only one who was worthy in that room. <clears throat> oh, I'm here to tell somebody today. Today is the day that you lay your glory down at the feet of Jesus. And what's crazy to me is how did this woman even hear about Jesus? Unless you're like me, Stephen. You know, the streets talk. You know, they accuse Jesus of hanging around with tax collectors and sinners. He's always around the rejects and the naughty, the naughty people. 
Before they know it, Jesus is known for having integrity of loving those who no one else would love and caring about them like no one else would care. Her homegirls are probably like, hey, y'all see that one rabbi right there? Yeah, I think his name is Jesus or something like that. Yeah, girl, I tried to holler at him the other day. I tried to get his number and stuff. He's kind of cute because, you know, he's a carpenter, so he kind of swole and everything. <laughs> next, thing I know, he, next thing I knew, he already knew my name. He started telling me about my childhood and speaking into my life, and then he just walked away. He wasn't like any of the other religious people who would just ignore me and shun me away. Next thing you know, she goes to another one of her friends, and the story lines up the same. No one paid attention to her. Hey, y'all hear about Rebecca or whatever her name was at the well? Yeah, she went to go get some water, but then, like, she saw him, and he started talking about this living water. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We all live out in That's I hear stories all the time. My buddy Elvis is right over there. He'll tell you, hey, y'all hear Tito, bro? He's a market manager, but he be, like, praying for people in the cooler and stuff like that at work, bro. It's weird. Jesus spoke to people like no one else did with compassion, love, grace, and kindness. He didn't try and holler at nobody, and that's what always made an impression on people. This prostitute who had no hope or no business barging into that bougie dinner for a religious figure, busts in the house and doesn't care, her desperation changed everything. It's almost like a church service and someone getting up right now, not caring who's in the room, not waiting for an altar call, not waiting for the prayer team to come up and yells out, I yield, I submit, I surrender. What must I do to be saved? This woman walks in and begins weeping, but then her weeping turns into worshiping. She ain't said nothing yet. Jesus was so intentional with people, and here's the truth. Jesus doesn't condemn you. He covers you. He forgives you. He heals you. How many of you this morning can give God some worship right now? Don't wait. Right there where you are, begin to worship him in your own words. Verse 44, Jesus does something that you may not catch. He turns to the woman, but he says to Simon the Pharisee. Notice that. Jesus turns his face to the broken, but gives his correction to Simon, the religious elite, the spiritually aware. And here's the picture of what Jesus is doing. He is the face of grace, and the Bible says that grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, but the law was given through Moses. Remember what Moses said to God? He said, show me who you are. God tells Moses, I can't show you who I am, but I can show you my back, meaning I can show you what I've done. And here the Pharisees represent the law, the old rules, the traditions, and Jesus represents grace and truth, the new thing that God was coming to do on earth. And grace is in the face of this lost woman, but the religious leaders don't like change and they don't like the new thing that God is doing in this moment. Jesus then basically tells Simon, Simon, I thought you knew what was up. When a guest of honor comes for dinner, you're supposed to give him kisses for his cheeks. You're supposed to give him water for his feet. You're supposed to anoint his head with oil. You, Simon, have done nothing. But what this woman has done is way more than any of you scrubs in this room have. Simon, me and you may have been verbally talking, but me and her exchange has been eternal. It's been for eternity with no verbal words. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven as her great love is shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. The religious leaders in the room didn't do what the law says to do in that time for a guest of honor because they didn't think Jesus was worthy of it because he thought that they were that he was on their level and Jesus tells the woman this is the first thing everybody say first thing your sins are forgiven then we remember the religious leaders they they act all crazy wait a minute this is this is this is the carpenter's son this is Joseph's kid you want me to do it again ah 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 
Then Jesus takes it another level and tells the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Can anyone tell me what this lady said to Jesus? I haven't figured it out. Did she walk in and say, look, Jesus, I need to confess everything I've ever done wrong in my life. And, and I know Simon and I know some of these other guys in here too. She didn't say anything. And check this out. This is the most beautiful part of the story that I didn't catch until recently. It's so beautiful. It kind of makes me mad if that makes sense. And Jesus just didn't cover her. He covered the religious people too. He didn't expose the Pharisees because his love covers a multitude of sins. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds all the much more. Hey, I know how the world looks right now, and it may look dark, but don't get discouraged, Life Church. If you ever do, just look at the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, as scary as it may seem, there's a spoiler in there. Don't be afraid. We win. The battle has already been won. The enemy has been defeated. And the worship team can get ready to come back up. I'm coming to a close. Hope this has been okay, Life Church. And so the question I ask you this morning is simply this, Life Church, who are we going to be? Times are ticking. Who are we going to be? Sometimes the church is so quick to let people know what they're doing wrong, change this and, and change that and stop doing this and, and stop doing that. But people don't grow up and say they can't wait to struggle. I can't wait to be addicted to drugs. Come on, heroin, get in my veins. Can't wait to be a prostitute. Can't wait for my marriage to fail. Life happens. The enemy attacks. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And let we, the church, have grace for the broken and grace for people in transition because God will fight for a soul until there is no hope left. Even if they don't know all the words to the songs or they don't know any of the scripture, God will fight for them even if they have no words left. Pastor Bo, all this woman had was some perfume and some tears. And she came to him. I don't know what else to do. I'm a mess. I hate myself. I don't know who I am anymore. I'm lost. I'm hurting. Can anyone hear me? I'm tired. I'm stuck in the middle of a life I didn't choose. This was her posture when she walked in, but before she could get it out, just being in his presence, she just began to weep. And as she wept, Jesus was speaking to her spirit, comforting her, letting her know, it's okay, baby. I got you. I love you. I understand you. I know you. I'm here for you. And he's here today seeking those that he can comfort and give the same promises to. Just open your hearts. An exchange was taking place as she worshiped. And here's what we can take away from today. If you get anything from my message today, I'm not even sure if it was a good message or if this is how you preach, but guess what? This is me just sharing my heart. And try to remember these four things. Worship without words. Worship when your words fail you. Worship when the world fights you. And worship when worry finds you. Lift up your hands, open your heart, receive the free gift of the presence of Jesus because he's already paid the price. 
You don't have to tap dance and posture yourself in a certain way. He's already paid the price. He's already given the gift. All you have to do is receive it. You don't have to come in here and embarrass yourself and tell anyone anything. They didn't die for you. Only Jesus did. This broken woman, a castaway from society, came to Jesus with what she had, laid it at his feet, said no words, got forgiven of all her sins and saved. No words needed. I don't know who this is for, whether you're new to faith or you didn't know that you didn't have to come here today or watch online today with a multitude of words, repeating your shame, echoing the brokenness of your past for all the world to hear. But if you can just open up your heart today and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I, I, before you can get it out, he says, I already know, baby. I just needed you to get to me. I needed you to get to the end of yourself. And when you get to the end of yourself, my grace is there. In the midst of the law, the Pharisees represented the law. In the midst of the law, grace invaded the life of a sinner woman and grace still invades the lives of broken people all over Houston and all over Friendswood and all over League City and wherever else God has this amazing church going. I want you to know that there is a king that will stop by and communicate to others, but he will speak to you in a quiet, unspoken way. There's two reactions ultimately that we can have whenever we encounter God, when we encounter his grace. The the first one is We can be ashamed of of how holy God really is and how unholy our life really is. I'm talking about the real you. I'm talking about the you that only you know about. The second one is we can be in awe of just how wonderful and how lovely he really is. So we can be awe before the holy one or ashamed before the absolute pure. This woman shows us that our worship can do what our words cannot do. And not only worship, but also her faith. Remember, Jesus told her, your sins are forgiven and your faith has saved you. I don't think if Jesus would have added that last part, Gabe, where he said that your faith has saved you, then I think that my works would have been enough. Because he would have saw her wiping his feet and just crying on his feet and using her hair and just being like, oh man, your sins are forgiven. But there was something about her in her heart that made her believe, man, I don't even know what these people are gonna say to me when I go in there. Like, I just wanna know her pep talk before she walked in that room. I wanna know what your pep talk is when you walk into this room. Man, I don't know what these people are gonna think of me. I don't know when to lift my hands up in the song. And I'm the only person that comes to church. My family doesn't even believe, I don't even know. I just wanna know what your pep talk is and and if it ever seems difficult or if it ever seems discouraging coming here, I just wanna let you know that we can get encouraged by this woman because as she believed, there has to be something special about this person. I've heard so many stories. I've seen so many people. I knew this guy, he was blind his whole life and Jesus met him and now he sees and and I wanna know who that Jesus is. I don't wanna have to just go to the temple and just be there and nobody notice me. I really wanna come here and I really want people to notice me. But more than that, I want Jesus to know that I'm here. We can all stand. Hey, whether you're in the building or you're watching online, 
or you're going to be watching this later because maybe someone shares this with you or it comes across your Facebook feed. Thank you, technology. Maybe you feel like this woman, desperate for change or, or desperate for a touch from Jesus. Just know that today is your day. No words are needed, but if you can just get into his presence and into your heart of the finished work of the cross, his grace is always there, ready to save you and heal you and restore you and revive you. You know, I, I told you I watched Tony Suarez's message last week, and so the note I took down was, well, you got to start off with a song. you got to sing. Well, I'm not going to sing because I told Andrew the only way I'm singing is if they put auto-tune on the mic, and they didn't. But I know there's a lot of great music out now, and, and this new school music that's coming and, and just representing God in a, into this culture in an amazing way. And, but, but, but I love this old hymn, and I know everybody in here is going to know it, and but, but I remember sitting in a small church as a kid in Alvin, Texas, La Primera Baptista. So if somehow, someway, anybody from that church sees this. I had no idea what was going on in there most of the time because it was in Spanish. But I remember this one song that I love, and the truth of it is so powerful, and it's been instilled in my heart ever since. I remember the first church service I ever came to here at Life Church, Annie, Dag Annie Daigle, sang it here and that's how I knew that this was home I didn't know the words to it in English and as a kid I knew the sound and, and the melody and when I heard Annie sing it I couldn't sing the words but, but I knew God knew where my heart was in that moment no words were needed as the encounter took place in my heart at the cross at the cross where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away it was there by faith. I received my sight, and now I'm happy all the days. If you would have asked me 10 years ago that I'd be here today, I would have looked at you like you were crazy. If you would have, if I, if I could go back and, and tell Tito 10 years ago, anything, anything encouraging, and this is for this section right here. If I can go back and, and tell myself 10 years ago anything, I, I would tell a Tito 10 years ago this. Say, bruh, because that's how I started every sentence. Say, bruh, just kidding. I would say, Tito, you are loved. God is for you. Don't let somebody's representation of Jesus fool you if they don't do it the right way. And ask questions. That's, that's exactly what, if I ever write a book, it's going to start off like that in the chapter. And then it's going to go, ah, ah, just kidding. Hey, the worship team is going to lead us into that course. And, and I would ask the prayer team to go ahead and come forward. And, and here's what I would ask for each of us in the building and, and those watching online. Don't let this moment go by. I know it may be awkward having to get up out of your seat and, and, and maybe uh, filling out a prayer request online, but, but if you ever think it was too awkward, just remember of this prostitute who was crying at the feet of Jesus with a bunch of judgmental people in a room full of religious people and what she got out of it. So I would ask if, if that's you, if you're ready to lay it all down, if you're ready to lay your glory down at the feet of Jesus, 
You may not have any words and you don't think that you have anything to offer to God, but just remember he's waiting for you to get to the end of yourself. And if that's you, I would ask you to come up to one of these prayer partners as they begin to sing. You, you may think that, you know what, Tito, yeah, that was, that was a good message. And you know what, maybe you're right. But there's, there's no way God can use someone like me. I'm here to encourage somebody today. I have a high school diploma. I was raised from a single mother with four boys and some of the toughest obstacles and circumstances. Never really fit in. I never really got to be the person who I thought I was going to be growing up. But somehow, someway, the moment that I stepped out, and I said, you know what, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm just, I'm not gonna believe anything. I'm just gonna start believing the truth of what Jesus is. It was in that moment where my life changed. So don't let today go by. There used to be a painting on the other side of this wall that said, let today be somebody's one day. The one day where they remember everything changed. The one day where they can look back and say, man, if I wouldn't have stepped out in faith and believed God, or man, if I wouldn't have been able just to, to touch the hem of Jesus's garment because my life sucks right now. My marriage is failing. I don't feel good. My, my kids are acting up. If, if that's you, I would ask you to come as they sing. And Life Church, I love you so much. Thank you for allowing me to be here today and speak to you. And, and after they sing, Pastor Bo is going to come and, and close the service.